an interesting interview in the last half hour with David Haskell about his book um, about sounds, about the soundscapes of nature and how they've disappeared or are disappearing, how important they are. Uh, to us. His book is called Sounds Wild and Broken. Uh, David George Haskell was nominated actually for a Pulitzer Prize back in 2012 for another book that he wrote that was also fascinating. Uh, We've been asking you all night, what sounds of nature can you not do with that? Would you absolutely miss if they were to disappear? We've had many uh, great answers from owls to eagles to um, to the sound of the ocean, to the sounds of creeks, and so on. 877-399-9898, 877-399-9898. Let me know what you think. Mine was the common loon. That was always the one growing up. That was always one that I really liked. Um, you'd hear it at the lake sometimes at dusk if you were there. Um, always nice to hear. Reminds me of home. Let me know where you are and who you are if you want to share some thoughts on that. Well, Let's head back to Russia and Ukraine, sort of. Uh, This is a really interesting story and a very interesting man. The Russian invasion of Ukraine and subsequent sanctions has had quite the impact on the airline leasing industry, mainly because most of the airplanes flown by Russian airlines were in fact leased and registered in Bermuda and Ireland. Now, sanctions have cut off the supply of most aircraft parts and services to Russia, while Russian airlines uh, more or less have about 515 jets leased from abroad. So what happened to all those jets? Well, According to Russian media, 78 of them have been seized abroad. Uh, What about the rest of them? Well, we don't really know. My next guest, though, does know a thing or two about repossessing planes. He's done so with about 3,000 of them, including a few in Moscow not long ago. Joining me now is Ken Hill. He's the president of Business Aircraft Sales Corporation and a longtime aircraft repo man. He joins me from Santa Barbara in California. Ken, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you, sir. Um, tell me a bit about, about when you look at, at this, what's happened with aircraft in Russia uh, over the last six weeks. What was the first thing that crossed your mind when it looked like, oh, you know, we're going to try and get those planes back or we're never going to see those planes again for all the companies that own them, that in fact own them. Well, I think it came as a shock to almost everybody that they would be seized and shut down, you know, in Russian airspace, uh, because all of those airplanes do have permits to fly through Russian airspace. And then when, you know, Putin got in there, he just shut everything down. Everything went to lockdown and nobody could understand it. I mean, everybody's skirmishing around trying to figure out what are we going to do now? And there really wasn't anything to do. Because I mean, there, there are, are yes, sir. airplanes that are locked down. Because there are both airplanes that belong to Russian airlines, well, belong that were leased by Russian airlines, and then there are other planes that were there that were still there, right? That belong to others. Oh yeah, hundreds and hundreds of them. You know, they would be you know financed by a, a bank in England or in the United States, and these airplanes, Gulfstreams, um, Bombardiers, whatever, large not commercial airlines. But there are some, but they're, they're private, privately owned airplanes that fly in and out of Russia, you know, in Ukraine, et cetera, all those oil fields over there. Right. And uh, that's a huge business. And there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of airplanes that were over there at the time that just got caught in the lockdown. Nobody expected it. Otherwise, everybody would have left. I was going to say, so what would the impact be on then on the, on the banks and then the, the leasing companies and all those that actually own those planes? Well, it, 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 it once it's turned into a, a state of war, okay, then they can use the war process or the war con, a war clause, you know, in their contract, and dec- and and declare them, you know, uh, as an insurance loss, and so the insurance company would have to pay 
the finance companies for those airplanes, and then they the the the, the, the the insurance company would actually end up being the owner of the airplane. You've repossessed airplanes in Russia. What's it like? What's oh, it like yeah, to have yeah, to yeah. work there? So about three or four years ago, I had to repossess uh, three seven thirty seven Boeing's, uh, the Series three hundred, and I got to Moscow, and of course, uh, I finally got out to the little airport that was about thirty miles from Moscow. And uh, the owner of the airplane and uh, the lessee of the airplane owner of the airport uh, wouldn't let me see anything unless I had all my paperwork notarized, you know, back by the Russian Department of Transportation. So I had to go back to Moscow and sat and I waited in, in office in their offices for hours to get it done. Finally, I did get it done. Went back out to the airport and showed weather over there by the side of the hangar. So I went over there and I was very surprised to see, you know, all the engines had been removed. And the cargo doors were open. And so they had been gutting all the equipment out of the airplane, avionics, seats. I mean, there was nothing left but just a carcass. So obviously what happened there is, you know, that was declared as an insurance loss. I imagine they're probably at this point, because all trade has been cut off as well, that if they want to keep any of these airplanes they have right now in Russia flying, they're probably... Uh, they're probably cannibalizing those doing exactly that to what they have in their on the ground. Well, they right are now. because because Airbus and Boeing has they're not doing any business with Russia, so they're not providing any parts. I suppose the only parts that, that they're getting is coming in through China somehow or another, but that would be their only outlet to be able to get them. Um, so, yeah, they're going to just eventually start cannibalizing what's there to, for for parts that they need, you know, for their own airplanes. And I think Putin has, has has got some kind of a plan that nobody can understand, as usual, as to you know setting up a whole a new airline system all through Russia. Tell me a bit about repoing planes, quite generally. Um, you've mentioned it. I mean, it's it's obviously a business that uh, that has a lot of a lot of intricacies to it. You just don't show up and and fly off, right? No, you, you definitely don't. Uh, and some of these shows that have been on TV, airplane repo are totally, totally, you know, it's just a, it's not, none of them are real. You know, I've repossessed thousands, maybe 3,000 or more airplanes in my life here. And, you know, they're, they all have a different life of their own. Every one of them is a little bit different. Some of them are going to be very easy. Some of them are going to be very hard. Some of them are going to take a long time. Some of them are going to, you get in the airplane and you will be able to fly out because it's airworthy and you've got the logbooks uh, and you don't have any other problems. Uh, if you go to Florida, for instance, and you, you have to get a court order, uh, believe it or not, the court order says that you can break the hangar doors down to take the airplane out. And wow. so have you ever done uh, that? Yes, we have. It's uh, and, and so you get essentially told, I mean, you go get sent once the, the, the money is stopped coming in, you essentially go to repossess the plane. And, and, and how does that usually, like, how do you plan for that? How do you actually plan to go take a plane back? So that's a really good question. So, uh, and the answer is that it, it takes a lot of time to find out where these airplanes are flying to and from where they're buying their fuel. And we have access to abilities to find that out where nobody else would be able to do that. And we track these airplanes through various, uh, uh, various different websites. Um, one is called FlightAware, but that's only if they file a, uh, an IFR flight plan. Right. But we have the ability to, fall, to find these airplanes 
where they're coming and where they're going to. And we track them. So we know that on Monday, they leave Teterboro and they go to Miami. And on Tuesday, they go from Miami to Dallas. Okay. Well, and if they do that in a, in, in, in a more of a, um, a routine manner, then we're going to be uh, at Miami when it comes in and be able to, you know, to take the airplane legally. We don't do anything. We don't break the law. We never break the law. We always use uh, uh, legal means to repossess the airplanes. Uh, if it's on a ramp, we have to, we can take possession of it. If it's in a hangar, unless we have a court order, we can't take possession of it. So uh, we can't breach the peace. And sometimes it's 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 difficult. That's why nobody does it. That's why there are so few of you. Tell me a bit. I mean, one of the things that's really I find really fascinating is just. It, it sounds like this is almost it's it's ninety percent strategy and ten percent execution. You uh, when it comes to seizing a plane, that's exactly right. You know, it is strategy. Finding the airplane, uh, making sure that you have the ability to take possession of it, that you've got a support system for pilots that you can count on to fly it out. Uh, I know if it's a certain airplanes that I'm rated in, I can fly it out. I've got 13,000 plus hours and I'm type rated in numerous jets and I've flown just about every piston and single engine airplane that's ever been made. And um, so, it, it, but we have to do it legally. And um, um, you're dependent upon weather sometimes maintenance the airplane to make sure that it's maintained or has been maintained you've got to be able to look at the log books to see who's done the last annual inspection and you know it's all strategy getting to the point where you've got the airplane and you have possession of it and then we take it and then we resell them what is the feeling like ken when you lift off when you've actually successfully repossessed a plane so Depending upon what kind of an airplane it is, uh, sometimes it's a very um, nice feeling that you've come a long way. You've got a good airplane; it's been maintained properly. So, yeah, you have a, a it's a good feeling. But I've had a lot of airplanes where I have a lot of bubbles in my stomach. You know, as I hit full power for takeoff, wondering if I'll make it around back to where I'm headed to. And I've on numerous occasions, I've had to circle the airport and come back around and go back in and have maintenance done on the airplane. I guess you must know pretty quickly that that it's not going to make it. Well, when I take possession of an airplane, we normally take it out at the end of the runway and bring it up to full power for at least 10 to 15 minutes and then take it back into the maintenance facility and have it inspected again to make sure that, you know, we feel confident that the next time we take it out on the runway, you know, we're going to make it to the destination. Ken Hill, president of the Business Aircraft Sales Corporation and a longtime aircraft repo man. Thank you so much for your time tonight.